a Shishkin Productions podcast. You have your radio recording devices on? Get them on. It happens all over the world. People come together, kicking a soccer ball around, and it's a great uniter. Find me. I don't care anymore. Drain my bank account. I don't give a shit anymore. Okay? Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Calling All Casuals. It is Thanksgiving time here in the United States. So in order to celebrate on this week's Back Pass, we're going to pass it all the way back to episode number 28 to our Pop 11, where we did an NFL and soccer crossover. So this is soccer players who went on to play in the National Football League. For this, we have a very special guest. It's going to be producer Chris, who's a huge football fan. He's a huge Jaguars fan. And uh, yeah, we kind of got into it, learned a bunch of new stuff. So hopefully you enjoy it. Here it is. NFL players who played soccer. You know, when I came in and saw this was the Pop 11, I thought you and Chris had worked on this together yesterday. No so no I was way. I was surprised to man. know. I didn't even think of this until last night around uh, probably like 11.45 or 11.30. I oh started writing this because I was like, oh, shit, that would be a good one. I, I didn't was, even realize. I was sleeping. I didn't realize that it was like NFL players who have played soccer. I That's thought it was like so difficult. if you pull, no, like if you're no. going to make a, a team, yeah, I guess no, it would just no. all be kickers. Because the thing is like I, a lot of other places had done that. Like I feel like NFL dot com even did something like that yeah and i was like this shit is so corny because it's like not real it's like i bet that fucking you know joey porter would be a good center back it's like i don't fucking know joey porter probably can't even kick a ball you know what i'm saying but these guys i want to see messi as a running back i want to see messi <laughs> i want to see messi as a fucking uh a slot receiver little little tiny little little fucking little <laughs> flea jumping around the okay. studio the circus i think he'd probably be like decent uh, i mean no i don't know no, if he could be a they would not He's be too decent. short. No. The crossover between these two sports is so it fucking is minimal, nothing. which is why this is such an impressive list. But I'm just saying he's he's small and he can run fast. That's he, he's a he little too small. Fucking crushed. Um, let's go. Let's kick it off. Right. Let's do it. Chris, this one's for you, bro, because we're starting off with our goalkeeper. Yeah. Our goalkeeper is Josh Lambeau. One of my all-time favorite players. He's, Same. He's a great Jaguar. And Same. He, I think he actually has the uh, like the highest uh, accuracy as a Jaguar. Yeah, we'll get there. Like 89% we'll, or something. We will get there. He's we're kicking good. it off with Josh Lambeau, the former Jacksonville Jaguars kicker. <laughs> While Lambeau's usefulness in the NFL might be debated, I don't great. give a rat's ass because he was always <laughs> one of my favorite Jaguars players. Lambeau is probably the closest thing to a modern, quote unquote, professional soccer player that we have on this list until we get to our manager. Uh, I found his connection to Major League Soccer to be very interesting because Lambeau actually signed a Generation Adidas contract yeah. and joined the IMG Academy in Bradenton, which is like basically where they send all the it's like a feeder feeder mm-hmm. high school um, oh, okay. for, for all sports. It's like you go there to play sports, not, not to learn. Yeah. He was he was actually part of the same generation Adidas class as Roger Espinoza and Breck Shea. Oh. Yeah, it was just both. They're all class of 2008, I think. Um, at, oh, wait. At the age of 15, he spent the summer training with Everton. During wow. their yeah, during their U.S. tour, um, that was uh, on the recommendation of U.S. international Tim Howard, right? Whoa. So Tim Howard was like, "Hey, this guy's a good goalie," and he vouched for Tim him. Howard's so a we, legend. Yeah, and uh, Lambo and Tim Howard still talk. I think uh, Lambo was even invited to England before being offered a professional contract with Everton on the provision that he could secure an EU passport because he had Greek heritage. So they were like, hey, oh, this is contingent on like you being able to be a Greek citizen, like EU, yeah. so you're not <laughs> counting on certain slots. We don't have to worry about visa, passport, whatever. Uh, but unfortunately, he was unable to get that passport. So mm-hmm. he lost his chance to join Everton. So he could have been, it could have been so different. If only he'd gotten that passport, he would have been a could have been fresh soccer player. Yeah. Uh, and he still was. He ended up getting drafted in the 2008 MLS Super Draft by FC Dallas. And he actually even represented the U.S. under 17 and under 20s teams. Uh, he played against a Belgian side at the time when he was younger that had Eden Hazard and Christian Benteke. So he played against both oh, of them. Oh, wow. And he kept a clean sheet. And the U.S. won 2-0. So he actually like was yeah, fucking he had dope. potential. 
uh, after four years, FC Dallas released Lambo. So he went on trial at Sheffield United and DC United, but neither of them took. So he figured it was time to hang it up. Uh, Lambo then decided to go back to college and finish his degree because he'd, he'd already done some school online. So he's like, I'm just going to go to college, get a degree, figure it out. But apparently at some point he, he already had been doing the soccer thing for so long and traveling. Mm-hmm. Like he left when he was in high school. So his mom jokingly, because I think he lived, they lived somewhere in Wisconsin or some mm-hmm. shit. And so his mom jokingly was like, well, why don't you just come back here and just learn to kick field goals and you can just kick for the, the Badgers or something like that. And uh, he was like, you know what? Yeah, I mean, how, not a bad idea. How hard could it be? Like, I'll it's fucking pro- try. Probably easier than playing actual soccer. Yeah, so his mom was just making a joke, and he was just like, ah, fuck it, I'll give it a go. And the next thing you know, he's the starting kicker at Texas A&M. Yep. Uh, he went undrafted. He got a chance to play with the Chargers, though, for a second. Then he joined the Jaguars. He was kind of bad with the Chargers. Like, he missed some clutch kicks, and... Uh, I, I guess a lot of people didn't really think he was going to last long in the league, but then we picked him up and uh, like something snapped and he yeah. was just, he was automatic for a, a while. We used to say my Lambo is automatic. Uh, that's pretty good. I, I'm just mad. Like somebody's that athletic that he's like, oh, I'll just pick well, up this new. I mean, here's, here, you know. here's kind of the thing. I feel like it makes sense for a goalkeeper to cross over into a kicker because goalkeepers literal like the one time they kick the balls when yeah. they tr- it's placed there yeah. and then they hit it you know Still, it's like a goal kick just um, but yeah it is really impressive that he was able to do that uh, he played at the Jaguars there was one time he scored a, a game winning field goal in overtime or something and to celebrate he actually did like a soccer knee power slide to oh, like yeah. celebrate and he said in an interview with uh, some with Everton like the club he did a podcast with them and he said that was like a shout out to his soccer oh, roots. So it's pretty cool. He retired from football this. earlier this year, and now, uh, judging by his Instagram, he is into off roading and traveling with his dog, <laughs> who's named, of all names, Indy. And I was like, you oh, played for Jacksonville, and your on. dog is named Indy because the Indianapolis Colts and Jags are rivals. Yeah, oh, it's fine. It's spelled different. Indy, I N D I E. He okay. um he ended up <laughs> basically retiring because of injuries. Like he he kept trying to get back in the league but ultimately uh i think the last season he played with us was our urban meyer season and at one point i guess urban meyer kicked him and he he said like make your fucking kicks bozo or something like that wow yeah. and uh then he sued the jaguars and then urban meyer got fired with cause because of it yep so wow. he, he kind of saved the franchise it's true lambo saved the jags he should have saved the lambo um but that's our <laughs> kicker so i was excited to start with him because uh you know yeah He's got a connection. Oh, it was to, dipshit, not Bozo. There you go. Bozo. Wow. I like Bozo. I'm gonna start calling people Bozo. I'm uh, I'm very impressed. Yeah, there you go. You're gonna get even more impressed as we go. All right. So up first on our defensive line, we have Tony Linhart. Nicknames are gonna be a theme throughout this Pop Eleven. Mm-hmm. Austrian-born Anton Hans Jorg Linhart. AKA Tony for short rolls off the tongue is one of three Austrians to play in the NFL. I'm still trying to figure out how we got Tony, I guess Anton, Anton whatever. Yeah. Um love it. Before he jumped across the pond to the gridiron, however, Tony lived an entire life as a soccer pro in Austria. In 1961, at the age of 19, Tony joined up with Weiner Sport Club in Vienna, who were just Wiener. Probably Vienna. Vienna. But I was, I was hoping you would say Wiener. I thought it'd be funny. That's why, that's why I gave you this one. <laughs> wow, thank you. Wiener. I was like, she's going to be like Wiener Sport Club. <laughs> I said Weiner. I want to get a Wiener Sport Club shirt. That'd be fucking hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> it's Vienna. Vienna? Yeah. Vienna? Well, well, like, Vienna? Yeah, the Austrian for Vienna is W I E N. Oh, okay. Interesting. Um, Vienna. I went to Vienna once. It was cool, but didn't learn how to speak any. Same. <laughs> Everyone there spoke better English than they do in Ireland and England. I swear. Yeah. She's Louise. Well, yeah. did, I wonder if Tony spoke English. Our boy Tony. Well, maybe we'll find out. Um. So anyway, he played for the Wiener Sport Club in Vienna. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um. Who were just a couple years removed from back-to-back championship campaigns. So it seems like they were in great position. Oh yeah. 
Tony's soccer career lasted 11 years, during which he got to represent Austria on six occasions, even managing to score a goal, his only national team goal, against Scotland in 1963. It was, however, merely a, a consolation as they got absolutely shellacked 4-1 and had two men sent off. Oof. Well, at least yeah. he got his goal. Yeah, that's true. Uh, in 1972, Tony packed it up, moved to America, and at the age of 30, decided to try his hand or his foot, I should say, huh. at American football. So th- at th- 30, th- I yeah. feel like you couldn't do that now. Okay, so this is going to be a theme in this shit where, and this is what I want. I was actually hoping Eric or Jordan would be here for this because I want to hear their takes on it as like, you know, they, I don't want to speak for them, but I imagine that they think soccer is a lot harder than football. Probably. Um, so to just to be like, I'm going to start my so- my football career at 30, but yeah. I mean, it's a kicker, so it's different. I would but. say soccer is more difficult than being mm-hmm. a kicker in the NFL. Yeah. Like may- maybe psychologically they're not the same, but as far as athleticism and like com- how complicated the game is, yeah. like you just, you get out there and you kick the ball. Well, this, this, this is going to be a theme. You're going to see there's people okay. who play for a, a long time. All right. Well, back to Tony. Um, so at the age of 30, he decided to try American football. He played for the Saints, the Colts, and the Jets, spending most of his career with the Colts, who were based in Baltimore at the time. A fact I did not know. Uh, His peak in the NFL came in 1976 when he led the NFL in scoring. What? Yeah. And won this weird award called the Pro Football Weekly Golden Toe Award. (laughs) I don't know how long they gave that one out. (laughs) He he got got voted into the Pro Bowl that year and the following year as well. So from wiener sport to golden toe. (laughs) The Tony Lenhart story. I, I will say it's not too on. Un- like I know thirty sounds old for football, but as far as kickers go, they'll routinely play until they're like late, late thirties or early forties. Sure, but just to get started at thirties, it is kind of crazy. And also, like leading leading the the league in scoring is is super impressive. But at, that's also very common for kickers because makes sense because you're going a- for all the extra points. Exactly. Um, yeah, you would think that. <laughs> This would be all kickers, and uh, spoiler alert, this is mostly kickers. There's a couple that aren't, but, but it is mostly kickers. Um, also, oh, oh yeah. I'm, oh, no, go ahead. You not got nothing? Well, no, I was just going to say I'm up. I didn't realize that I was. No, I'll go, I'll go. Oh, I got okay, Matt, okay. Matt Barr is oh, our okay. next guy, uh, also in the defensive line here. Um, Matt Barr is the first of two Barr brothers on this list, and it's no surprise because the Barr family has American soccer in their lineage. Matt's father, Walter Barr, was a key figure for the U.S. men's national team in the 1950s, and he specifically was part of that famous team that would beat England 1-0 at the World Cup in Brazil in what would become known as the Miracle of Belo Horizonte. Uh, Side note, that was a weird World Cup, and I might have to do a deep dive at some point because (laughs) France, like, at the last minute didn't go, so... And it was divided into groups of four, four, three, and two because France didn't go. So Uruguay, to get out of their group, only had to play Bolivia. And Bolivia's oh. like not good. So Uruguay beat them 8-0 and advanced out of the group after one match. So it was like kind of, hmm. it was just a really, really mm-hmm. weird World Cup. Um, either way, uh, and actually that game was crazy too because Walter Barr, he didn't score that goal, but he took a shot that was like apparently going towards the goalkeeper and then a forward dove in front of it and headed it past the goalkeeper. So I think Walter Barr technically got the assist on that goal. Um, Matt, his son, never rose to the level that his dad did. As a matter of fact, he never even came close, unfortunately. He played soccer and football at Penn State through college. And although he was a standout player, soccer just didn't have legs in America at the time. (laughs) It didn't. Uh, But Nazel was starting, so he signed with NASL side Colorado Caribous in 1978. You might have seen their jerseys. I think they're the ones who did the jerseys that had the Fringe like the cowboy type fringe. No way. Uh, as, I think they did it as like a what, uh, like tassels. Yeah, yeah. I think they what? did it as like a tr- promo type thing. That's hilarious. But he signed with them in 1978, right out of college. Uh, he got traded to 
your boys, the Tulsa Roughnecks, partway through the season. And by the following year, he was playing for uh, an American soccer league team called the Pennsylvania Stoners, which is Chris's team. Oh, yeah, I love them. (laughs) After two unsuccessful years of clawing at soccer, Matt switched to football with great success. His rookie year, he played with the Pittsburgh Steelers and he won a Super Bowl. Then he bounced around the league over the next decade. And then, so he won one in like 79 or something. Yeah, on the back end of the Steelers dynasty. Yeah, so he won one with them. Then through the 80s, didn't win anything, which will be a a point coming up. Uh, And then in the 90s, he won another Super Bowl with the Giants, where he hit a game-winning field goal in some Super Bowl. And according to Wikipedia, Matt now works as an electric engineer in Mm. Pittsburgh. That that Giants Super Bowl was part of the uh, Buffalo Bills losing four in a row in the early 90s. Yes, yes. So that's what it was. He, um, He beat the... He beat he beat the Bills. So two Super Bowl rings, not fucking bad for yeah. a guy who like and a long time between them. Yeah, yeah. And to, to say to man, he managed to like stay in the league for eleven years, which yeah, is absolutely. fucking awesome too. You know, so good for him. Did you get a chance to look up those fringe uniforms? <laughs> or was I, I, I did. I did. Yeah, are they no, there? you were right. Because uh, apparently the the Rapids kind of like reintroduce them i don't know if it was a real thing or if it was like is it just for promo like did they actually wear them yeah those were their jerseys the rapids might not have worn them but i think i think those were oh yeah they're terrible (laughs) i thought the i thought the tassels or the fringes were going to be like on the sleeves or something they go (laughs) straight across the chest like right underneath your pecs it's yeah quite silly yeah the uh nazzle was a very very weird time i i gotta if i did a deep dive on that it would take like literally an hour or more wow. um, and there's collars the collars really just don't fit with everything no way. um all right moving on our, to moving anchor on. our defensive line our center back yeah and i would say quite the anchor oh yeah um, oh yeah so next up we have nadamakong sa no damakong su nadamakong su or damakin actually i just called him sue this whole time i was trying to save you so i just called him sue this whole time i think that's i did watch a video where they said his name but anyway uh i don't know much about ndamakong su but i do know that producer chris our resident american football fan has told me in the past that sue is a bit of a dirty player oh absolutely oh, a little he bit would, of a master in the he would the dark start arts. off on people's <laughs> ankles like, oh my and then he's a big he's, he's a, a big, big boy, boy. <laughs> um sue is probably the least qualified person on this squad but at 6 4 and 313 pounds he's probably a good player to put at center back yeah, that's a fucking gigantic dude. It's a big, it's a big guy. Uh, Sue's dad played semi-pro in Germany, and Sue grew up playing soccer since he was three years old. His sister even got a, sco- a soccer scholarship. And she actually also played for the Cameroon women's national team, which I didn't include oh, wow. in there, but that's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Uh, Sue played soccer when he was younger, but stopped as he entered high school due to a growth spurt that made him more suited for American football. Understandably so. Yeah. Uh, 313 pounds, six foot four is a little bit big to be on the the soccer pitch. True. Uh, he told Bleacher Report, I was supposed to go to Europe and go to boarding school, supposed to become a professional soccer player, but my dad and my mom weren't having that. But how it ended was I got too many red cards. <laughs> I was a little too aggressive on the pitch. No surprise. Makes a sense. true hard man. A true hard man. Definitely better suited for American football. Suited. Suited. That's true. Uh, Sue is an Arsenal supporter and he has even looked into buying a team in France. Oh, he got it like that? Well, I think oh, the last he was, time he, he wanted to buy one, but I don't think it ever did. He ever do it? Do I don't know? know if he ever did it, but he made a lot of money in his NFL career. For a long time, he was considered the best defensive tackle in the league. Wow. Uh, he was drafted second overall, so he got a big, uh, and that was by the Lions. And I think it might have been before they restructured how rookies are paid. So rookies, if you were drafted at in the top five or ten mm-hmm. before like 2009 or 2010, you would get these massive guaranteed. Uh, salaries that you, you would be making more than a lot of veterans in the league. Wow. They've since changed that, but he was great. He got, uh, he was an all pro like five different times, Pro Bowl. Uh, he, he was yeah. a scary dude. Look at you stepping on her next line. <laughs> oh, sorry. I, I don't, I don't Chris, have this script. Chris is excited. He's, I know. We, Chris we is named plump. him our I'm resident. Here American I'm, I'm here to listen and react. I didn't know uh, that you knew that much about him. Well, you you said it first, Chris. Accolades wise, this guy has won a Super Bowl and made five Pro Bowls. Yeah. Fun fact: Sue even took 
Nemanja Matic. Nemanja Matic. Oh yes, yeah. I did. I did see this video. Nemanja Matic in some soccer challenges for an NFL Network YouTube video in 2018. Highly recommended. It. It's very funny. Did they, you like it? Yeah, it was. It was funny. I mean, yeah. they do. They switch off between like a soccer challenge and a football challenge. Yeah. Um, I loved the first one where he's kicking into the the Velcro it's, target. It's like a Velcro like dart board, dartboard, yeah. basically, and he missed the. Like he could barely even get the ball up to stick the yeah. first two times. I, what confused me about it is that partway through, after two events, it said Sue leads two zero, and I was like, "What?" No, Matic like obviously won the first one, but yeah. whatever. It's not n- neither here nor there. And then you could tell at the end, Matic was like, "I'm not diving to tackle this dummy." Like, yeah. I like because like Matic just like ran by the dummy and kind of bopped it, whereas <laughs> Sue like laid the fuck out. Of course, but um, yeah, Dominican Sue, bro. I, he's our center back, and he's gonna break some legs. That's what it sounds. Yeah, like. Yeah, I think so. I did not know he was that successful. I thought he was just like a big dude who played and does he still play? Uh, no, he hasn't. I think he played a few games last year for Philadelphia. I don't think he's currently signed. He's, I mean, he's like 36. He's on the back end for sure. But he, he, he started, he, he did like a mercenary thing for a while where like he was just going one or two year contracts to the next team to get paid the most. Mm, nice. I like that's that. That's why he got it like that. Yeah. yeah. He, um, he is the only defensive player on, on our list. Yeah. Uh, moving on to our midfields, we got Chris Barr and Chris Barr is uh, Matt Barr's brother. Chris has a wildly similar trajectory to his little bros, but he did it first, so perhaps we can say Chris was a bit of a trendsetter. Chris played in the midfield for Penn State, and he was named an All-American three times during his time with the Nittany Lions. Uh, With few other options to become a professional soccer player, Chris headed to the NASL after college, and he joined up with a team called the Philadelphia Adams for the 1975 season. This would prove to be a pretty interesting season for the league because that summer marked the arrival of Pele. Oh. oh. Yeah, the OG Messi. As a matter of fact, one of rookie Chris Barr's most clutch performances missed the Brazilian's arrival by about a week. On June 10th, 1975, Barr's Adams faced the New York Cosmos in front of a crowd of over 20,000, which is kind of crazy for that time. Like, yeah, that was one of the higher attendances uh, in the league that season. And, you know, the other ones all featured Pelé. After a tight 90 minutes, Chris Barr scored a sudden death game winner for the Adams because at that time they changed the rules to be if it's tied after 90, it's 15 minutes sudden death. So he scored a sudden death game winner at what was at the, that point in the season, a record crowd. Um, but 10 days later, Pelé would make his debut for the Cosmos. So if only if Pelé had come over two weeks earlier, he would have been in that game and Chris Barr would have played against him in his debut probably. Might not um, have gotten the, uh, the overtime winner. Yeah, probably not, right? Uh, you know, and another fun fact about that season is that Portland Timbers were tied for the best record in the league that year. In oh. Nassau, and they lost in the final to Tampa Bay Rowdies, I believe. Oh, fuck the Rowdies. Yeah. Um, Chris Barr scored 11 goals in 22 matches that season before deciding to switch to American football. Yeah, he was decent. After a few seasons with Cincinnati, Barr joined the Oakland slash L.A. Raiders and stayed with them through most of the 80s. That Raiders team would go on to be a historic side and Chris Barr would go on to win two Super Bowls with them. So it's funny because his brother won one at the end of the 70s, the beginning of the 90s. And Chris Barr won both of his in the 80s. So kind of a cool family situation there. Uh, According to Wikipedia. Chris now lives somewhere in Pennsylvania working as a financial consultant. There you go. (laughs) Wow. That's random. Uh, All right. Next up, we have a wide receiver uh, also by the name of Beckham. So we're we're uh, we're we're bringing Beckham back into our pop 11, but not the one that you might think. Mm -mm. This one is Odell Beckham Jr. Known more for his catching ability than his free kick technique. Coincidentally, OBJ looked up to David Beckham as a kid, and when Odell played soccer, he excelled. OBJ said he played soccer from the age of three until 14. Mm -hmm. His youth coach wanted him to try out for a national junior team, but Beckham didn't want to spend the time overseas it would have required, particularly since he excelled at other sports. Must be nice. I got to say, though, like that is also kind of a common theme here is that like and we talk about on the show a lot is that we don't have a good infrastructure for youth here. So all of these guys who like are good, like even Sue. 
Sue was like, I doubt, I really doubt he was that good. But like, they were like, hey, in order to take the next step, you need to move. Well, he might, he might have been because his parents were like, his parents were like, no, yeah, like we don't want to do that. Yeah, I mean that's a lot to ask a kid. Yeah, you know, to go overseas, whereas in Europe you have like you have these programs built into yeah. wherever the, you live the infra- or maybe the, like the, the not infrastructure that far, exists so. and it's not super yeah. expensive but again it, it could be coming but it will take some time yeah. um so anyway he excelled at other sports so wasn't totally motivated to go overseas he says it's just so much for a young kid to have to decide that you'd have to leave your family but i always played and but i always played in the premier leagues always wanted to or? no like he played in the premier leagues for his age and his oh town. and in his sure so he was playing at the highest level he possibly could yeah. i was 11 playing u14 stuff like that i was always playing up at such a young age it's hard to just leave your family and say i'm going to go to europe and do my thing <laughs> It was one of those things where you couldn't wrap your mind around that and just completely leave your family and leave the country. Um, And I think we've seen that, too. A lot of young players that do end up doing that get homesick. And so then they don't end up doing as well as they probably could have. And then they come back. So biggest example is Landon Donovan. Landon Donovan had an incredible career, but most of it was here because he didn't imagine he was getting homesick. So uh, Beckham's NFL career is going swimmingly. He's won a Super Bowl and been to the Pro Bowl three times. But even though Odell is focused on American football, he still carves out time for soccer, having worked on the occasional YouTube collabs with the F2 freestylers and Bayern Munich. When asked if he still thinks about the days when he had to abandon soccer, OBJ says, all the time, all the time. Soccer was my first love. So whenever I think back on those moments, I think of what could have been. If it wasn't in God's plans, it wasn't in God's plans. Yeah, I mean, you know what? It's God's plan. I mean, <laughs> I feel uh, like he's had a pretty successful NFL career. But yeah, he's he's one of those guys who everyone thought he was going to be an all-time great, and his career just kind of, I don't know, it was a combination of injuries and just being kind of a diva that he never really replicated what he did in his first few years. Yeah. Um, but fun, fun story that's just barely soccer related so kickers on the sidelines in the NFL they warm up kicking into a net Mm -hmm. Uh, one time Odell was very angry and he took it out on the net he kicked it punched it whatever Uh, he actually lost that fight the net the net won (laughs) (laughs) but uh, a week or two later he caught a touchdown and he celebrated by going over and hugging the net oh Oh, hell yeah that's sweet are they still together Uh, (laughs) (laughs) did he kiss it on the mouth like uh, Jenny Hermoso <laughs> no, wow. Luis. What's the name? Luis Rubiales or something like that. Yeah. I um no. I think uh Odell Beckham Jr. I only know him for catching that fucking ball one handed. Well, like yeah, and, and that. that's that's a huge part of the the hype around him because because he could make these crazy catches. And don't get me wrong, he was he was like a top three receiver for a few years there. But I I think that one catch against Dallas, like that really cemented him as like oh he's amazing yeah and then he just couldn't really keep replicating that um next up in our midfield is perhaps the most accomplished player on our list to transition from soccer to football Hmm. it's a guy named manfred aka manny bergsmuller Manny spent three years early in his career playing for a team called Bayer Urdingen where he would score 80 goals in 101 appearances. Damn. Fucking good. The next couple years, he's a fucking beast. The next couple years, he went, he was at Rottweiss Essen, where he banged in another 32 goals in 64 appearances. So one goal every two games. Uh, And all of that goal scoring would earn Manny a move to Borussia Dortmund, where his form continued. He made 224 appearances, uh, becoming an important part of their midfield. And in those 224 appearances, he scored 135 goals. That's (laughs) That's insane. Legendary. One season, he netted 27 times, uh, finishing just two goals behind the legendary Karl Heitz Rummenigge, who was the top scorer that year. Karl Heitz Rummenigge is like one of the greatest German players of all time. So to finish two goals behind him is really fucking impressive. Um, In the 1988-89 European Cup, Manny, who was nearly 39 years old at this point, 
39, guys. This is older than Messi right now, and he's still playing in the European Cup. He scored for Werder Bremen, netting, uh, sorry, setting the record for oldest goal scorer in the competition. He played professional soccer at it, the Bundesliga level until he was 41. 41. But of course, Manny couldn't completely hang up the boots. Amy. Instead, he joined NFL Europe in 1990. NFL Europe? <laughs> yes. He joined NFL oh, Europe in... Those were the days. Amy, he joined NFL Europe in 1996 at the age of 52. Stop. No. 52. No way. That's when he joined, was 52. What? In 1996. Uh, fun fact, the soccer Don himself, Don Garber, was actually in charge of NFL Europe at the time. Really? Yes. He kicked for the, not so, not the soccer Don, but Manny kicked for the, <laughs> Manny kicked for the Ryan Fire for the next six years and he won two World Bowls, which is what they called it, in the process. And finally, in 2002, he called it quits, retiring a true two-sport legend. So My God. He must have been, at that time, 58 years old. At that point, you're just doing it because you, you're enjoying it, right? right? Yeah. Right. Dude, to be 52... And become That's, a kicker is insane. Like I had to double check my, my shit because I was yeah. like, this doesn't seem right. Well, but, the the other wild right. part, like I know it's NFL Europe and not the actual NFL, but like that's something that you would expect to have happened in the 60s right. maybe the 70s. No, this happened in the in the 1996. 90s. The late wow. 90s. Like that's just absolutely <clears throat> bonkers, man. Um, that's impressive. Well, here's the thing: he he fucked up because he played way too hard. Because he died in New Sixty Nine. So if <laughs> you if you didn't, wow, you know. that sucks. He only got to like have eleven years off of like working. I mean, yeah, I guess he, he loved, he, he loved it. it. You know, he loved it. But, yeah, uh, maybe he died because he just missed it so much. You oh, know? Yeah. He could so never sad. fulfill himself the same way. Holy shit! Yeah, unbelievable. He's the oldest professional. Yeah, he's the oldest professional football player ever. Uh, yeah, I'm 52. Yeah. To um, 58. When, uh, yeah, it's it's insane. I apparently, I'm just reading this right now, but apparently one of his teammates said, when I first saw the guy, he did not look 48. I thought he was small, little scraggly dude. And I was really shocked to hear he was 48. <laughs> so I guess he was 48, maybe not 52. Either way, the it, he no was, matter how yeah. old he fucking was, he was For old, an as, athlete, old as a motherfucker. Yeah. Wow. Um, okay. Oh, Bergsmuller actually said, I want to play for the Ryan Fire for the next two years. And when I turn 50, I want to play football for the Dolphins in Florida because I like the weather. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, well, not going to happen. Some people go to Florida to retire. He goes to play more football. Yeah. He, but he uh, didn't. He didn't no, make it. No, he didn't. He didn't. He but didn't what it. a fucking legend, Manny Bergsmuller. Yeah, that's pretty who impressive. Who was even the kicker then? Jay Feely? Who the fuck I knows? Don't, don't, couldn't tell you. All right, let's close um, out, close all right, out our Closing midfield. out the midfield, we have Andrew Luck. Not because he ever played soccer really? per se, but because he has that QB vision. On a team full of kickers and wideouts, you know we need a quarterback. Luck is a notorious soccer fan, and he even lived in London for a bit near Highbury, Arsenal's old stadium. Mm. Surprisingly, though, Luck isn't an Arsenal supporter. Instead, he follows whatever team American players are on. I like that. That's a lot of them now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how does he keep up now? Like, I think he's probably just kind of all over. Has a look, and you know. In fact, Luck's team that he supports now. I guess no, locally. he's ever ever supported. That's his. That's his team. His claims. team. That's why, like, because what happened was he lived near Arsenal, so a lot of people on social media would be like, "Yo, do you support Arsenal?" But then they see that they saw that he would like watch Clint Dempsey's games when he was at Spurs. Uh. Be like, "Yo, bro, what the fuck? Do you support Arsenal? Do you support Spurs? Like, you can't have it both ways." And he's, he's like, like, "I support America. I support Houston Dynamo." Oh, okay. So Houston Dynamo is the team that he claims. Yeah. Uh, He says, that's my number one team in my heart because my father used to work for that club. I'm definitely plugged into the MLS season fairly heavily. It's fun to see the league grow. I think it's great for the sport in this country. 
I love that. Thank you, yeah. Andrew Luck. Hell yeah. When it comes to his own play style, Luck calls himself a hustler with absolutely zero technical ability. Yeah, the, he, he he's one of the guys on here who didn't play professionally. I just yeah. want, I didn't yeah. want it to be all kickers. But, but some, something interesting, um, his dad, who you just mentioned, was the general manager of the Rhine Fire when, uh, when our boy was there. No oh, wow. way. Yeah, nine, Manny, Manny Bergsmuller? Yeah, 95 to 96. That's so wow. crazy. What a, what a weird. What a weird crossover. Incestuous world yeah. of, of NFL plus soccer. Um, one thing that I didn't put in here is Andrew Luck actually the closest he got to really playing was he played intramural soccer just for fun mm-hmm. in college, but he technically wasn't really allowed to do that because no. he was like a like a really important athlete. It was Stanford, I think. Yeah, yeah he went to Stanford. He was like He's their really starting quarterback. Dude. He was like the really important player, and I think the <clears throat> coach was Harbaugh, the coach there at the time, as well. Uh, probably. But they asked him. They were like, "Did Harbaugh know you were playing intramural?" And he was like, "No, definitely, definitely not. I was not. not allowed to be doing that." Holy shit. Um, as far as his love for the game goes, Luck had this to say. I'm no tactician or coach, but I enjoy watching the free flow of it, the different styles and the histories behind the clubs like Barcelona versus Madrid. It's not just a soccer game. It's a geopolitical struggle. There are great storylines and no commercials. It's true. <laughs> and let's be honest, no commercials is really the best part. Yes, 100 percent. It's funny Especially compared to the NFL. It's like say, it's yeah. funny coming from a American football player. Yeah, because like, the NFL has the most commercials well andrew luck is like one of the smartest and most like well grounded uh and like highly touted prospects to ever come along and he he even retired at like age 29 or 30 because you know it just wasn't worth it to him like yeah he he has better things to do with his life than get hit you know 20 times a game sounds i mean when they asked him in that interview that i was reading they asked him about like his, fa- and his favorite things and he literally just said like he was like books and soccer he has a book club oh yes yeah. yeah that's so cute he's 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 a he's a smart guy this guy he's the man um all right moving on to our forwards we got three forwards up here one of them is tony fritsch uh tony fritsch is uh, another austrian so remember earlier it said three there was three this is this is the second one. The third one didn't make it. Oh. Um, another Austrian analyst, Tony Fritsch, has the distinction of being the only player to ever win professional titles in both soccer and American football. And for that reason, I made him our captain. Uh, Tony joined Austrian powerhouse Rapid Vienna in 1963 at the age of 18, where he would go on to win the Austrian Bundesliga three times. Tony played eight years at Rapid and somewhat surprisingly... Over his 123 career appearances, he only managed to score 15 goals, which is so weird because hmm. he's he was supposed to be a striker. Yeah, um, he stood just five foot seven, and he was all about speed. And he used that speed to score his two most important goals of his career at Wembley against England to upset them three to two. I think at that point, England, like I think England. It, during that decade had only lost at Wembley three times and this was one of them um, as a matter of fact those are the only two goals Fritsch would score in his international career Wow! so he, he he played nine times for Austria and he scored twice and they're both in one game to beat England it was pretty clutch of him uh, in 1971 the Dallas Cowboys scouts were on a European tour looking for soccer style kickers, which were becoming popular in the NFL at the time. The story goes that the first city they went to was Vienna and the first player they tried out was Tony Fritsch. And even though he could barely speak any English, he agreed to sign a deal and move to the U.S. Uh, he went on to win a Super Bowl with the Cowboys and make one Pro Bowl. I think he won Super Bowl six, which is like so weird. It's like to think he won mm-hmm. something that long ago. Uh, but he yeah won a Super Bowl, won a Pro Bowl or made a Pro Bowl. And uh, he, fun fact, was the first Supposedly, the first NFL kicker to do a Rabona. So what a cheeky little bugger. You know how sometimes when they do an onside kick, they'll kick the ball from behind their standing yeah. leg? Mm-hmm. That's what a Rabona is. And uh, he was the first one to do oh, that. Wow, so he's had a lasting impact on American football. Yeah, do they still do that now? Every once in a while, they'll. They, it depends on the, the kicker. Yeah. But. So there you go. That's Tony Fritsch. I mean, 
pretty pretty solid uh, captain, I think, for the squad. Yeah, I'm surprised by his NFL stats. Maybe, maybe this was just in an era where making field goals was more difficult. But for his career, he made about 68 percent of his field goals, which That's not good, right? Not, not amazing. Not. Well, amazing. How long was his career, though? I don't think he played that long, did he? Um. Well, he only played. It looks like he just played for a few years in the NFL, and then he went to the Houston Gamblers, which I don't, I don't know what league they were in. The Houston Gamblers. Hmm. Um, Amy, out of these last two that are left, you take one and I'll take the other. All right. right. Um, So up next, before I get started, just want to preface by saying that we do not condone domestic violence. Yeah, I don't condone headbutting your wife in the (laughs) face over a condom argument. (laughs) Uh, But we have the infamous, the famous, whatever you want to call him, uh, Chad Ochocinco Johnson. Of course. How could we not have a soccer American football crossover and not include Chad Ochocinco? The flamboyant fan favorite wideout is an unabashed soccer fan, so much so that he was part of Fox's World Cup coverage in Qatar. In an interview with Alexi Lawless, Ocho claimed that he that he's cousins with Huang Min, Huang Min's son, yeah. through marriage. Which and who's that? He, he plays for Tottenham. He's like Tottenham's best. Oh player. wow! Yeah, but um, that's such a funny. Like that's my cousin through marriage. Was, I feel like you could say anybody's your well, cousin. When so. he said that in uh, the interview like he was like yeah that's my cousin and everyone just like didn't really react and he's like through through marriage and they're like oh, okay <laughs> like, they, just, they just like they just moved right past it like, I don't know. so that's why like uh, allegedly I don't that's know if this hilarious. is true at all, um, during the NFL lockout in 2011 Chad got a trial with Sporting Kansas City but he didn't make it yeah it was uh, I remember seeing that and being like what the hell what's he mm-hmm. doing there actually watch some of these videos and Peter Vermees was basically like yeah like he's not at that level but you know he's always welcome to come train with our reserves like yeah. we can have certain days where he can come to stay in shape while the lockout's happening so yeah Peter Vermees was down for it I like that he said because I watched them too and he yeah. You know, he was like, I wasn't expecting to like come out and be the best, but like this was a lot harder than I thought it was going to be, which just shows you they are two very different sports, you know, and I mean, like he's a super athletic dude. But anyway, he also played semi pro with Boca Raton FC in 2018 and 2019. So Mm -hmm. he went back for more Mm -hmm. this year. He participated in the soccer tournament. Ah, the soccer tournament as part of Natty SC. Johnson is also a FIFA fanatic. He's been playing the video game series since 1998 and is supposedly pretty damn good. Mm-hmm. Ocho told Fox Sports, I've been showing up at people's houses. <laughs> that's that's just such a weird way to start a He's sentence. been showing up at people's houses. I've been showing up at people's houses. That's well documented. People that talk trash to me over Twitter, like... I'm in LA right now, I would tweet out. Does anyone want to play FIFA? Let me know. And I'll go through their Twitter, and if they have a feed that's actually them playing the game, I'll probably go to their house and play, as long as they have food in the fridge. <laughs> Bro, we, we... I've been doing that for almost a decade. It's a little dangerous, but I don't care. <laughs> we we got to talk some shit to Ocho Cinco and get, get him to come through. I know. Well, when we, well, were, when, when we were in uh, DC for All-Star, yeah. he was there, and uh, I was like, I tweeted at him like, Yo, we're going to like some Irish pop. I hope we can show up, but he didn't. So he was play, like, you should have said we're gonna play FIFA. He went to he went to a cigar bar because I just learned. I don't think he doesn't drink, right? I didn't know. Oh, that. I have no idea. I think I don't think I he know drinks. he loves McDonald's. Yeah, he loves McDonald's. He like actually. I remember back in the day he would tweet out like. I'm going to be at McDonald's like the first hundred people that come. I'll just buy you food. That's like, cool. Yeah, I so just know what, who was it? French Montana that made the song Ocho Cinco. Oh, did he? I don't even yeah. know. French Montana is so trash. Like, cool. Uh, wait, am I, I, am mean, I wrong for saying no, that? No, I, I no, feel like French no. Montana has no, never put out a good song. No, but he, he, the best parts of his songs are always the features, but Ocho Cinco exactly. is kind of a cool song. Um, anyway, to put a bow on things, during a press conference once, Ocho said, soccer will always be my number one sport, my number one love. Oh, and he also raced and beat 
a horse one time. Yes. Whoa. Yeah, he raced what? the horse. You remember that? He beat a horse? Yeah, you don't remember he that? Won. He won the race against the horse. He was like, I can, I, he's I like, like, I can beat a horse cruelty. in a race. It was fucking nuts, yeah. bro. So, it's a, it's a wild, wild dude. Um, To round out our starting 11, our pop 11, I've got my favorite nickname of the bunch, Neil O'Donohue, whose full name is Cornelius Joseph Connor Dennis O'Donohue. <laughs> what? <laughs> you know, Odell what? Beckham's middle name is Cornelius, too. There you go. I said, I guess that's what happens when you can't decide on a name. <laughs> Cornelius Joseph Connor Dennis O'Donohue. Neil, for short. One, two, three, four, five, five names. Yeah. Um, all things considered, O'Donohue's career really wasn't anything special. He played a couple seasons with Shamrock Rovers, only making 12 appearances, netting three goals. His move to America was prompted by a soccer scholarship offer from St. Bernard College. Uh, apparently, this was the first soccer scholarship in the U.S. that was ever given to an Irish person. Hmm. Wow. That's what that's what it said. I don't know how to... Fucking, Irish need not apply. You know. Um, well... <laughs> He did anyways. <laughs> when the soccer program folded, Neil transferred to Auburn and became their starting kicker, hitting a record-setting 57-yard field goal during his stint there. <laughs> he was drafted by the Bills in 1977 and went on, unfortunately, to spend time with the Buccaneers, who were like like historically bad at that time, and the Cardinals. O'Donohue is tied for the Cardinals record for most points in a season. Wow. He's also the tallest kicker to ever play in the NFL, standing six foot six. So that's why I was like, oh, he'd be a good forward, you know, score goals, score headers. Um, and I feel like kickers are usually smaller. Uh, until this season, he was the most recent Irish player to play in the NFL. And apparently some uh, Irish guy signed as a punter, I think, for Green Bay or something like that. Hmm. And according to Wikipedia... Neil now lives in Florida and is a car salesman. <laughs> <laughs> Living the dream. He's doing it. Wow. Um, okay, so that rounds out our starting 11. Let's move on to the manager. Yes. We have the one and only Harry Kane. Of course. Of course, we had to make Harry Kane our manager. Harry Kane's aspirations to become an American football kicker are well documented. So maybe after his career wraps up, we'll see him be the most modern footballer to jump across the pond. It might not be that easy, though. When asked about Kane, Hall of Fame kicker Morton Anderson said, it is ludicrous to think that you can just step in and do it at that level. I want the fans to understand that I don't feel disrespected, but there is more to it than meets the eye. Don't think that Harry Kane doesn't get it, though. Kane told Good Morning America, I know it'll be a lot of hard work. I'm not expecting to just walk up and start kicking field goals. The NFL is something I've been following for about 10 years now, and I love it. So I would love to give it a go. In 2019, he said he'd give he'd give it 10 to 12 years before he decided. So the clock is ticking. See you in 2030, Harry. Yeah, Chris, did you ever hear about this when Harry Kane was talking about trying to become an NFL kicker? No, I don't think I've ever heard about this, but apparently I don't know if they, if they still have them, but they have two Labrador retrievers named Brady and Wilson who are named yeah. after NFL quarterbacks. Yeah, oh, he's, good, he's good friends with Tom Brady, apparently. Like Harry Kane really, really loves uh, NFL football. Like whenever the... London games would happen. I think he would go and like watch them if he could. Like he's he's a he's definitely a, a football fanatic. He's oh, wow. been a fan wow. for like a, a very long time. So in 2019, he he said he would like to become a kicker in the NFL in 10, <sighs> 10 or 12 years. 12 so years. he would be starting at like age 38, 39, yeah. 40. As we said, see you in 2030, Harry. Wow, you know that'll be that'll be the time when he pops on over. Um, I made him the manager, even though he's like you know just because he's the most qualified fucking actual soccer player like he's a kind of a legend the chairman the owner is lamar hunt easy owner of the kansas city chiefs and he helped found major league soccer the impact lamar hunt had on both soccer and american football in the u.s cannot be overstated in american football the winner of the afc championship game wins the lamar hunt trophy Mm -hmm. in soccer the u.s open cup's full name is the lamar hunt u.s open cup and it's all deserved. He founded the Dallas Texans in 1960. It's a different league. I think it was the American Football League or something like that. And uh, they would go on after they'd merge. The leagues would merge. And that team moved to Kansas City. And that team became the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, 
A bit of a cool everyman detail about Mr. Hunt. He apparently insisted that he be listed in team media guides as the founder of the Chiefs rather than the owner and publicly listed his telephone number in the phone book for his entire life. So he wanted to be called founder, not owner. I thought that was kind of cool. And Hmm. he was like, hey, and if you want to call me, my number's public, so just call me. Oh, cool. (laughs) Just fucking lit. Uh, Hunt also invented the term Super Bowl. What? Yeah, which has now been copyrighted to all hell. Apparently, he was just calling it that, and then they were like, that's a really good name. And they're like, yeah, let's just go for it. So, that's the Super Bowl. Um, Mr. Hunt's first exposure to soccer came when he went to Dublin in the 60s and saw Shamrock Rovers. Uh, He then went to the 1966 World Cup, and he's attended nearly every World Cup after that. Uh, Later, he got involved in NASL, NASL. He founded a club called Dallas Tornado which uh, he was a partner in through the 70s. And I think the Nazzle final was actually called the Soccer Bowl. So <laughs> this guy's a one-trick one pony. Work this as guy's well. a one-trick pony. Uh, later, um, yeah, so he got involved in Nazzle. Later after that, he ended up actually selling his shares in the team. And it, Dallas Tornado actually merged with Tampa Bay Rowdies. Um, so there you go. There was a, a whole thing. In the 90s, soccer came calling again. And Lamar Hunt was there to answer, becoming one of the founding investors in Major League Soccer. He owned Columbus Crew and Kansas City Wizards to start with. They let him buy two teams because they realized, like, this guy is super important. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. we need him to be a part of this if we want to succeed. Mm-hmm. So he got two teams. And then in 2003, he bought Dallas Burn, who are now FC Dallas, um, and Kansas City Wizards, you know, sporting KC. Uh, he ended up, you know, selling Columbus Crew, selling Kansas City Wizards. FC Dallas are still in the family. His son, I think, owns them. Um, but yeah, I mean, he it, it, he's just a, a fucking G. He financed the building of soccer-specific stadiums. And really, he was one of the main factors in the survival of MLS in the early years, and that led to the growth that we see today. So, Lamar Hunt, absolute legend. You know, I, is, uh, you got anything to say, Chris? You know, you, you like I Lamar mean, Hunt? I, I know you hate the Chiefs. Uh, I mean, there are teams I hate more, but it's crazy that he basically started two different leagues between Mm -hmm. the AFL, the American Football League, and MLS and was so influential in both of them. I had no idea that he owned Columbus Crew or Kansas City Wizards or FC Dallas. Like, I I did not know about any of that. Yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah. uh, He's got his fingerprints all over. The Hunt family is definitely very very influential. I'm assuming they come from some type of money. Like, what... Um, what do they well, own? Well, the sons come from money because Lamar Hunt made a bunch of money. I don't know what Lamar oh, Hunt's he, actual... No, no, no. He, uh, Lamar Hunt is the son of an oil tycoon. Of course. Okay. Yeah, see, yeah. that's what sucks. It always, it's always old money. God damn it, Lamar Hunt. <laughs> well, whatever. We still love you. You're dead, though. Um, all right. <laughs> oh, honorable mentions. We got three honorable mentions. Um, to go along with Lamar Hunt, Phil Anschutz, um, only because... Like he he actually has not much to do with football at all, but he owns other sports teams. Uh, I just thought it was interesting because he once owned six MLS teams at the same time while the league was struggling. Well, yeah, the league was struggling and he was like, fuck it. I can take on six of these. I can take on. I got it. And he's been called the man who saved MLS, which is I mean, that's what I would call him, at least, because there was like definitely times when shit was rocky and he came in and I'm mad. He was like, ah, I got it. (laughs) What's one more? Yeah, it's it's just nuts because like, I mean, really, the league shouldn't have survived that. And then when you look back at stuff like that, then the MLS ownership structure starts to make a little bit more sense because you go, ah, yeah, there wasn't interest in owning these clubs back then. Mm -hmm. So that's why the league owns everything is because that's the only way they could make it happen. Wow. Um, other honorable mentions, Horst Muehlman, Schalke goalkeeper, and it was a kicker for the Bengals and the Eagles. Uh, I thought it was interesting that he played in the first ever German Bundesliga season. Hmm. The, they started in uh, actually 40 years ago. They started in 63, I think. And uh, no, sorry, that'd be 60, 60 years ago. Yeah. So um, 
Horst Muehlman played for Schalke in that first ever season. Really impressive. And then, of course, Tony Miola, honorable mention, 100 U.S. men's national team cap, MLS legend, tried out for the Jets in 1994 and got cut. <laughs> Did not know that. Yeah. And then he went on to uh, be in a, a broad, I think, a, I don't want to say Broadway, but something, uh, some theater thing, Tony and Tina's wedding, and he played uh, the lead role. Didn't know, so, didn't know he, he played, played for the, the Strikers either, the Fort Lauderdale Strikers, one year. Tony Miola. Uh, he's a he's a he's a character that's for damn sure. That was our Pop 11 NFL soccer crossover segment. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to hit us up on TikTok, we are at Calling All Casuals. If you want to hit us up on Instagram, we are at Calling All Casuals. If you want to tweet at us, it's at Calling Casuals. Uh, no all. And then if you want to email us, callingallcasuals at gmail.com. Those are all the ways you can get in touch. Uh, please, I urge you, get in touch if you have any comments, if you have any ideas for future episodes or anything. Uh, I'd love to hear them. We will catch you next time. And as always, keep it casual. A Shishkin Productions podcast.